0: Welcome to another awesome episode of Errol Helps Entrepreneurs Increase Visibility, Credibility, and Profitability. Uh, Today, we have a great uh, addition to our lineup here with an entrepreneur uh, that has a different perspective, actually coming from a clinical uh, background as a therapist and coach. uh, We have Thomas Miller with us to talk about the entrepreneurial reality.
1: Hello, everybody. I'm so excited to be on with the man, the myth, the legend, aka Blue Steel, Errol Erdman. Thank you so much, buddy.
0: Oh, man. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Yes, Blue Steel. Very nice. <laughs> Very nice. So do you want to uh, share a little more kind of in terms of for what you do, or your background kind of coming to, you know, look at entrepreneurship or, you know, sort of what you do that kind of elaborates for anybody that that's not familiar with you already?
1: Sure. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Um, I started my entrepreneurial journey in 2004 by hanging a shingle as a private therapist and while that's not the highlight of my entrepreneurial journey or incredibly ecstatic and exciting it was the start and I think it's just important to, to start there or to point that out that I didn't own an office I didn't own a building but I was renting uh, an office from a woman and I won't belabor this whole story here. But the point is that it was a start. And I always tell everyone this story that I was only able to rent uh, an office at starting at 615. When she was done, she was a full private uh, therapist. And when she'd run out the door, I'd be running up the door with uh, my clients. And I saw a client at 615, 715 and 815 um, almost every day for about five years. And I couldn't even get on any of the insurance panels at the time. And so I was taking people for like twenty dollars uh, a session, which is a joke. Right. Uh, but it was the beginning. And since then, um, my wife and I have built um, equity and we made the courageous decision two years ago to start Innovative Therapy Solutions, which is a therapy and wellness group practice for children. Uh, teens, young adults, and adults of all ages in Western Mass, and we have an entire clinical team now, an acupuncturist, a yoga and mindfulness program, a whole host of other very community oriented programs, and as you highlighted, uh, we also own Thomas Miller Coaching, which is uh, a coaching company where I coach families primarily who have a teenager uh, or a young adult who is struggling with mental illness or addiction issues, and I help the family to basically put themselves back together to not, um, have their norms have been, uh, dictated by that disease or that dysfunctionality. And it's an opportunity to reclaim their power and begin to heal and put, put some healthy, uh, boundaries, limits and just really good norms back into the family. So everyone can, can be at the optimal, um, optimal place that they need to be. So that's what we do. Um, and it's, it's, uh, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of a lot of hard work, which I know we're going to get into. Um, so yeah, thank you.
0: That's great. That's great. And I think this this probably highlights a little more of why I was you know really wanted to get you on to kind of join the the conversation on this podcast for entrepreneurs. You know, we've connected through LinkedIn, and uh, in this case, one of the things is that clearly, you know, you have a a very big. Uh, you know, background. You're really doing business. Uh, you are an active entrepreneur. You know, not uh, just really kind of online talking about branding and building brands, but essentially, um, you know, really practicing and, and having a long, long history that's that's there. Uh, and one of the things that's really been coming up as I connect with more people uh, with entrepreneurs, it seems as if this whole concept of entrepreneurship is becoming a lot more uh, prevalently marketed. And the real realities behind what it takes to be an entrepreneur and how people are branding themselves and how people are marketing it, um, you know, th- there's a lot more to it than than uh, wh- what's being marketed. So I wanted to kind of get you on to talk a little more about what that really looks like.
1: Yeah, it's it's uh, so unbelievably hard and it's worth every minute of it for uh, my wife and I, obviously, we've been, uh, I've worked in not-for-profit, I've worked in the uh uh, for profit and corporate uh, corporate America uh, all uh, doing uh, therapy and uh, addiction work. and you know our story is a little bit more of the traditional route in the sense that we uh, worked our butts off to create equity through a lot of sweat equity. Um, and then we got a small business loan and we worked with the small business development center locally and it took a really, really long time. I mean, we were rejected by bank after bank after bank, because even though I had a really great reputation locally and tons of positive influence in terms of helping people to heal themselves and bringing value to the community, you know, we were nobody, right, (laughs) to these banks. And so, you know, to be an entrepreneur, I think is, you know, something that is, you just have to be incredibly patient. Uh, You have to be very unflappable. You have to have a clear optic for where you're going. Um, And obviously, like you intimated about LinkedIn and marketing, of course, that is uh, so central uh, and and you are your brand and you definitely want to develop your personal brand. However, you also want to develop your performance. Right. You want to make sure that you have a really good product and that you are taking advantage of what you can take advantage of, even when you don't own a building. We own a building now. And that was, again, because we were able to get a small business loan. But prior to owning a building, um, I was performing. And one of the things I do with a lot of people uh, when I'm doing coaching, uh, mainly around uh, executive coaching or small business coaching, is I talk about the concept of PI, which stands for performance, identity and exposure. And you obviously want to increase your exposure so you're not a tree that falls in the woods, but you also can take advantage of the P as in the performance for free. And I always tell people that you do not have to wait um, for, you know, uh, venture capitalist funding or a uh, small business loan or, you know, family and friends money or whatever it is. Um, you can start performing today and you can start becoming an expert or a SME, subject matter expert in whatever your domain is or whatever your field is. And I think a lot of people should take more advantage of just utilizing whether it is their nine to five job or whether it is what's right in front of them and just build that expertise and build that pedigree. And that will solidify your eye, your identity. And then of course, when the, the exposure is there, right, they all work as a triumvirate sort of in a triumvirate way to really just undergird and solidify who you are as a professional. So it's very, 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 very hard. And I'm sure we'll get into all that stuff too, especially balancing children. And it's uh, my wife and I work together. We're co-founders of three of our companies. So yeah. It's it's very, very challenging.
0: Absolutely. Well, you know, I guess maybe it might be helpful to kind of talk a little bit about. So the way that entrepreneurship seems to be really kind of positioned right now uh, is showing all of the just the success that happens, the freedom of your, you know, sort of your, your time, the fruits that come of entrepreneurship. Uh, and ultimately, you know, the time frame that a lot of people may see that it takes to be successful is, is a little bit short because of how uh, how it's uh, marketed online. But in terms of what somebody really goes through in that process and, uh, you know, sort of the, the impact and the you know, emotionally moving back and forth between success and failure and that uh, those valleys that people uh, go through, you know, that may be something really to kind of paint uh, more of a picture of and, and how, to kind of move forward and still kind of succeed with, uh, with that experience.
1: Absolutely. I think that's a great point. And obviously as a therapist myself, who, uh, you know, I, I provide clinical diagnoses and do assessments all day long. And, and on the coaching side, I don't obviously, uh, do the the clinical piece. It's more about very concrete, specific goals. That being said, there are a lot of people that should not become entrepreneurs um, from just a psychological perspective. And that's not to be pathologizing or disempowering to people. I'm the biggest fan of, of uh, empowering everyone to stand inside their story and to step into, into that story with courage. I believe that everyone has within them the, uh, the abilities to heal themselves or to achieve whatever they want. However, it is important to take a look at the cost of admission and, you know, you don't have to, uh, free yourself, so to speak, right, only through a pathway of entrepreneurship. And one of the things that I think is really important is that, you know, my wife and I are working more now than we've ever worked in our lives. And we are coming up on in October will be two years of innovative therapy solutions being around. We're coming up on a year and a half of owning this building. And the reason we're working more, and obviously that's um, something that we're auditing all the time and looking at because we don't want to ostensibly push our relationship to the background or we don't want to be deadbeat parents and we're very attachment based parents. Um, But because we own everything right, you own everything. And so early on, I mean, we were cleaning toilets in the building when we didn't have a cleaning uh, staff or if our cleaning cleaner is out. Um, So as much as you want systems in place, right, that can create a process of externalization and help you to scale. And the ultimate goal of course is not to be working uh you know as crazy as we are yet that is what is required right now and something has to give and i think uh, being an entrepreneur will immediately identify for you what are your pressure points and i mean just a basic thing is uh when we bought this building in, in early uh january 30th of 2017 Uh, we also bought our house (laughs) that week and that is not something i would advise or encourage it's just the way it happened um we were uh looking at buildings for over a year and this building presented itself and we chose to move on it and i have never been my face has never been whiter uh if you if uh you would have seen me then it would have looked like uh i don't know i was uh sick or saw a ghost or something because uh to put down a uh, a deposit on a house and a building in the same week plus we gutted this building that we're in um it was it was insane i mean it was insane i was literally sprinting to the bank every 5 seconds to make sure that uh i had enough money to be writing these checks to the painter to the to the carpenter to the you know the, oh my god every we every everything the is amazing just crazy yeah, I, so yeah yeah i can't uh
0: I, I can't imagine that that's that's really a lot um, yeah. You know what? What what it makes me think of in this case too is it is unique too. So both of you are really you know you, your parents. So you have I think you have three three
1: three kids, correct? Two, two right? kiddos, two guys, two, two. two guys. It, it feels it feels like three. They're both crazy <laughs> boys. They're really they're really great kids, but they're nuts, and I love them. And uh, <laughs> so it feels like three. Yeah
0: nice nice so you have two kids and the thing is so in this case you both are entrepreneurially focused and actually in business together which is a whole nother aspect but you know in terms of with the family dynamic so there's i you know one of the things i think that i've been noticing is that for a lot of this entrepreneurship seems to be marketed almost to like the 20 year olds 25 year olds you know people that are, are reaching 30 and essentially kind of thinking of okay like this is the thing to do Um, Without a lot of focus on how to really be prepared for it to kind of manage some of the individual things that happen to us. But when you enter and you throw in the family aspect um, and either you have, you know, somebody that maybe it's just one of the partners is entrepreneurially focused and trying to move forward and the other is not. Um, there's a there's a particular stress that can come up significantly as that one entrepreneurial person tries to move forward, right? And trying yeah. to reconcile and find yeah. the balances. Yeah. But then in addition to that, I mean, you have the unique perspective of, you know, having both yourself and your wife both being entrepreneurially focused uh, and trying to kind of succeed together. Um, you know, I don't know what would be more challenging, but um, you know, one thing probably that's worth talking about is really that family dynamics of either that individual or really kind of, what the considerations are when it's, you know, both of you, how, how, how does somebody succeed uh, in both of those situations or what are the things to kind of think through or the tools that would help people to, um, you know, the entrepreneurial minded people to be to be able to succeed within both of those situations that you think.
1: That is such a great question slash point. And uh, you are you are just bringing up some really great stuff there, Errol. You know, I think uh, to kind of circle back to each and every point, there was a lot of uh, really good stuff in there. You know, if you're 22, like you're describing, uh, on some level or uh, not some level, just basically it's a fact that you have less to lose than my wife and I do because, you know, we got to make sure our kids' soccer, you know, is covered and the kids eat and the mortgages is, is covered and all that sort of stuff. So, you know, I love how Gary Vee kind of, uh, and I'm, gonna not quote him directly, but, you know, I love how he's always, you know, challenging young people. If in fact, this is what they want to do to stop overthinking it, right. To just get quiet upstairs and just move your feet and, you know, understand that from 20 to 30, um, if your resume, this is something I I do all the time in in my life coaching work, uh, through my company with young people is like, your resume is supposed to have, you know, a bunch of different things. I mean, that actually, in, in fact, um, models experimentation you know so what we're doing is much more incrementalist it's much more the elongation of a very long story Uh, I got a bachelor's in social work a master's in social work I uh, hung my first shingle as a private practitioner in 2004 and I uh, have gone and worked between 2004 and and now worked for different companies and amassed different pedigrees and different skill sets etc so it hasn't always been just my wife and I Um, But something has to give, like you pointed out. My wife has a master's in fine arts um, in ceramics. She has a bachelor's uh, of fine arts in uh, painting and illustration. And, you know, she's an artist and she uh, is a college professor as well. And she easily could be, we could be putting all of our efforts into doubling down on her artistic um, career. And she has uh, given a lot of that up, which is amazing. And I'd be nothing without her because she has, really stepped aside and while I am uh, you know staying here late uh, on our Tuesdays and our Thursdays basically we're like two ships passing that night I get the kids Mondays and Wednesdays at right out of school and then uh, I'm a single dad pretty much as far as not not, I would never say I know what it's like to be a single dad or a single mom but I just mean for those uh, for those evenings I'm running the show by myself and then Tuesdays and Thursdays she's running into the you know she's she's the single mom so to speak at home and And uh, we come together as a family, um, you know, on the weekends. And uh, that is what it is for us. Now, maybe other couples have a different formula or permutation or or something they've come up with, but that's the best we got right now. Um, And that's just a reality for us. And that means that, um, you know, we're not having dinner as a family each and every night. I'm not saying that's the most idyllic thing in the world, nor am I saying it's the most unhealthy thing in the world. The point is that, you know, we are constantly auditing where we're in the red and where we're in the black. And I always tell people that you need to look at your pie chart. And if your work slice is creating compression on your self-care, your spirituality or religion or your relationship or other passions, you know, that's problematic and you have to have some clear boundaries. And for us, um, again, we are uh, do this kind of perfect, passing of the baton mainly through during the week friday nights we are all together which is a a definite definite thing that we boundary the heck out of and we boundary the heck out of our weekends um so that's kind of what we've come up with and it's absolutely been so unbelievably hard because uh also when we're together nicole and i we at times backslide and start talking about work and we have to make sure we don't push our relationship to the back burner And and uh, and again, anyone that just the bottom line, Errol, is anyone that says you could do this in your sleep with the four hour work week type stuff. That's all BS, in my opinion. And anybody who also is saying that you have to work 100 hours a week and give up your you know, I know Gary V has spoken a little bit about giving up your 20s and your 30s. And I think the essence of what he's saying is spot on, if that's what you want. Um, But I don't think it has to be. Uh, so black or white, right? I think it's much more situationally based and you have to zoom in and zoom out uh, and, and re-audit constantly the different domains of your life.
0: Yeah, I, I, uh, I appreciate that. I think that it's, uh, the, the bigger things definitely come up as you have more responsibilities and as you, and just you have more things that you need to take into consideration and it's like you said, it's not, it's not black or white. There are just, there are, many different factors that are, different based on each person's situation and how they're approaching it which probably leads in very well to kind of you know what you do uh and you know people probably find themselves in certain pursuits uh where they take on different things whether it's entrepreneurship or other things that ultimately they get to a point where maybe they can't 100 percent manage or they can't see exactly and they need sort of some either coaching or really some kind of perspective shifting to help them find the balance to have them be sort of healthy and, you know, successful with their life.
1: Yeah. And, and again, you know, my heart goes out to the people that uh, are trying to do this game because it is a, a an amazing game. It's a challenging game. And again, I wouldn't want it any other way. I'm not one of these people that uh, sits around and feels sorry for myself. These are a hundred percent my choices. Uh, I don't ever uh, feel like anything is a have to, I constantly, Uh, eradicate that out of my vocabulary or vernacular i always tell myself i choose to and and i think you know going back to maybe the last question a little bit you know nicole and i we constantly check in we have daily huddles and you know that's an opportunity for her to call me out or me to call her out and we are constantly you know having uh you know b hags if you will right that we're crushing into uh or partializing into uh Smaller, little achievable, um, you know, goals that we try to obviously reverse engineer our day uh, to make sure that we're moving closer to. But we're also very nimble and we're constantly able to uh, reassess. And the fastest line between point A and point B is not a straight line in business. It is very squiggly and you have to be dogmatically determined toward your end game while simultaneously, in my opinion, highly flexible and nimble. And the families that get stuck into these patterns where they are very split. And if you have a troubled teen who's, say, manipulative and uh, I always say has, you know, a Ph.D., let's say in manipulation or a Ph.D. in button pushing, it is very easy to get split. It is very easy for one uh, uh, parent, uh, if there's a two parent system, to feel like they're left holding the bag. And so that is a classic dynamic that I see. Uh, if there is entrepreneurship there or not, um, you know, if you have one party who is ostensibly managing 100% of the parenting, the other is 100% of, say, the, the financial revenue, um, you know, that is a potential inherent conflict. So it's going to be really important in those families, which is what I do all the time, is to help them deconstruct uh, the norms that exist and help them to come up with a vision for what they want. And then we move in a very concrete way toward reestablishing some some healthy communication. We make sure that there's no triangulation, there's no splitting, make sure that they're not what I call an iceberg family, meaning that everyone's needs are below the surface, right? That's kind of a, not a good scene or a good good sign. Uh, it's really important to make sure that, that people are not walking on eggshells and people can come forward uh, with agency and speak to you know what they feel is working or not working. And, and being a, a co-parent unit is so important So many of the families, like I said, they really get split. And then that child invariably moves into that middle ground and will work the space, right, to their advantage. And next thing you know, mom's the North Pole and, and you know, the other partner is the the South Pole. Um, And when you're dealing with addiction, it's like trying to make, you know, trying to run a household with an active bomb in the room, right? Everyone winds up uh, on some level participating because it is a family disease. So where I come in is just to help, the family recalibrate, mainly if there's addiction, mental illness, troubled teens, and I work really closely with some great consultants that can help uh, find programs, whether it's a wilderness therapy, a therapy reporting school, a treatment center, and then the family needs to do their work because it's not just as simple as as localizing the problem in, in the loved one who's struggling with the the disease or the mental illness.
0: Interesting. I, as you're kind of going over that, one of the things I was thinking about. Uh, clearly is what you're talking about. Uh, but part of that is say that somebody that is kind of looking at entrepreneurship and going down that route that maybe doesn't quite have the family yet, hasn't found the partner yet. Ultimately with some of what's talked about with entrepreneurship and how it's kind of portrayed and marketed, it almost sounds to me, I'm just wondering if there might be some other type of dialogue that really you know, should in a best case scenario, get a lot more traction that would help somebody as they're kind of really just pursuing everything that's related to entrepreneurship, that they're also working to prepare themselves to better manage the family in the future or to integrate that and to better prepare them to have success there and not just kind of develop bad habits that would make it more difficult for them to manage that balance within a, within a family.
1: Absolutely. I think, you know, if you're, if you're a person, uh, if, if I was single right now, right, and uh, had no kids, I mean, without a doubt, my work slice would be would balloon, it would increase. And on some level, that would instantly be exciting and rewarding. And I'd get the dopamine hit right of that immediate you know, bump up in, in whichever or whatever it is I'm doing. However, if I was to then go and meet someone uh, two years from now, I'd be highly emotionally inaccessible and I'd be highly inaccessible. Does that make sense? Am I making sense?
0: Yes, I I kind of like, I think that really needs to be like, if somebody listens, for example, you mentioned Gary V, right? Mm -hmm. There Mm -hmm. is this very, 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 you know, direct, very extreme over every platform, just in your face, go for it, right? Right. And uh, if somebody implements all these things, like I think, like you mentioned, I wouldn't have thought of that. But like the dopamine hit, like, you can go and you can find success and you make that happen but at what at what extreme have you pushed yourself and how Absolutely. disconnected right. would you be right. to other humans right. right especially somebody to really Absolutely. kind of share a life with
1: right because think about it like what is what is your metric for success right so if your rubric for success is you know something that is rooted in, in say business and rather instant um you know when you become a parent or you become a lover or you become a partner you know, the rubric for success is very different. It's about presence, it's about attachment, it's about attunement, it's about being able to attend in a much more reciprocal fashion. And, um, you know, I see that, I mean, that's what I do. I mean, I see it every single day in these families where, you know, uh, if you have a, uh, let's just go traditional dad, right? CEO, top-down manager, uh, it's not necessarily the most servant leader in terms of his company. Um, now all of a sudden he has to slow the fudge down. He has to join with his son. He has to have empathy and just actively listen. Um, that that's going to be a tough, <laughs> you know, that's a tough bridge to cross if you're not doing that in your workplace. Now I'm not saying that, that example is a great example of leadership. To me, leadership is about, and this is what I do again with the executives, you know, is, is making sure that they have a high EQ and they are emotionally intelligent and they are slowing down and making contact with their staff and, and truly listening to the point of actually letting their staff challenge them. You know, so absolutely the, the, the behaviors, the habits, the norms, all those things that are developed in that potential, recipe for maybe an instant you know skyrocket uh success are not necessarily transferable um and in uh, that creates an inherent conflict so to me you know what we're trying to do is all long game i mean i'm trying uh to be a really good dad and a present dad and be a present husband and i fail all the time i fail i'm always failing right there's always some area that i'm not uh i'm in the i'm in the red at right but it's mm-hmm. that that forest perspective, you know, I try to make sure there are no sick trees in my forest. Um, but there are some trees that are definitely needing, you know, not not doing so well need some more love. And and I tend to unfortunately backburn in my self care, um, which is classic, right of a, of a healer and a caretaker and a, uh, an entrepreneur. Um, but no, exactly. If I was if I was single, and I met Nicole now, and all all she did was this entrepreneurial stuff, and all I did was this entrepreneurial stuff for the last 20 years. We'd be very different people. So I, I think that's a great point. That you know, when he when he talks about give up your 20s and 30s, I don't buy that. Um, I I think what he's trying to say is, uh, which I think is healthy, is he's trying to educate millennials that you know you're not going to really feel or experience the, the pudding, if you will, right? Until you're 40. That I think is the take home, is that please delay gratification and the proof is in the pudding. But to give up your twenties and thirties as in all you have become was, you know, branded by a company or branded by your, your business or branded by X venture. Um, and you aren't, you know, I've heard you say, Errol, right? Your network is your net worth, right? So yep. if, if your twenties and thirties are that you're not volunteering, I mean, Nicole and I, uh, I don't know if you, if this is, uh, something you want to get into or not, but, um, I, we're not Christians now, but we actually met in the Catholic student organization in college. We started dating at 18 in, in, in 1998. And we met through doing soup kitchens and doing midnight runs where we drive vans and go into the city and, and uh, give out uh, food and clothes to the homeless. And, uh, I can say a quick little joke. Nicole's coffee skills uh, were so bad then that the homeless uh, wouldn't drink her coffee, and uh, unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately, her <laughs> coffee coffee making skills haven't improved that much because it's still pretty rough. But uh, I make the coffee at home. So, but um, you know, so that desire of uh, our, our relationship was built out of you know just falling in love with obviously each other, but also community service and spirituality and art. I was a photo major at the time and she was a painting major. So yeah, I'm so glad, (laughs) so glad, you know, that uh, we didn't, uh, you know, we we had time to develop our relationship. And I think that's, that's just key. And I think it's time that people need time to also understand who they are. And if you give up your twenties and thirties, you're going to come out of that at 40 feeling fleeced and very frustrated because I think you'll feel very masochistic, especially if you don't get to where you believe you ought to go. And that that is that's the scary thing that's out there right now. Again, this idea that this is not a long game, this is an incredibly long game. And and to me, you know, when I when I think about everything, I I always ask myself, like, okay, at the end of my life, when I look back from an industry versus inferiority standpoint, you know, like, I, I think of like Schindler's List. Did you ever see that movie? Yes. You know, like the end and he's like, they're trying to get him out of there and he's like giving away his ring and he's giving away his coat. and He's like, did I do enough? Basically, that's his question. Like, did I do enough? Was my life of service to someone? To me, that's like the most important thing. That's what it's all about. That's what I love about LinkedIn. That's like we were talking offline uh, about LinkedIn. For me, it's just a trampoline, a vehicle to meet amazing people like yourself. And uh, so many others who truly are about, you know, making the world a better place and truly are about uh, bringing value to people and empowerment. And, you know, it's just to me, it's about legacy. That is my North Star. And Nicole's legacy is the same. You know, it's about it's about uh, creating community. It's a little different, but it's about creating community and pulling people toward us. So, yeah you got to have, you got to have that bigger perspective. Otherwise you're going to come out and you're going to be standing at 41 and being like WTF, right? What the hell just happened to me? And I have no friends, no network. And, uh, you know, I, I just did that. So
0: hopefully that made sense.
1: Did that make sense?
0: Yeah, it it did. It did. And I think, uh, you know, I think we really did kind of capture some of what I was hoping that we could kind of get into, uh, in terms of entrepreneurship. And I, I think this is definitely where we're within the realm of this conversation of some of the, the deeper aspects of entrepreneurship, and I feel as if this, this would definitely be a value to somebody either that's sort of starting off in their entrepreneur, if they're fortunate enough or if they've you know, been able to be connected to where they listen to this, maybe this would give them some other perspectives of ways to kind of incorporate their entrepreneurial approach. And perhaps maybe there are other people that have been on this journey for a bit maybe are in a family dynamic and maybe they're seeing that you know they kind of need some other resources to sort of balance things out and i think we i think we captured that uh here within the conversation and uh i think there's a lot more to talk about but um i I guess so from here uh this is probably enough to kind of for somebody to chew and you know we've kind of gotten to a bit um, just, just for yourself, I think you've kind of mentioned it. If say that somebody from here wanted to connect with you more uh, or was kind of looking and maybe they got an idea of how maybe you might be able to help them, um, what would you say that you're kind of either working on or how could you, you know, what, how can you directly help somebody that may kind of be inspired to reach out to you, um, you know, or who would be best to kind of reach out to you uh, to kind of, you know, connect or to get help with?
1: uh so a couple a couple of things a couple of ways um if someone obviously is a small uh business and they're at the beginning and they're taking um uh clients so to speak for their copays, like i did you know i'm really glad that they're starting and anyone can uh connect with me on linkedin i big fan of uh, building a really solid network based on again just helping and supporting other people i love to give it away to keep it so feel free to reach out to me that way. If a family is obviously struggling with their husband, their son, their, or their mother, right? Uh, anyone in their family is struggling. If they're struggling with someone else's addiction or mental illness, or they're a parent and they have a 16 year old teen who is uh, blowing out of high school and not doing well. And in, you know, engaging in high risk behavior. They can go to my website, which is thomasmillercoaching.com and uh, they can peruse it. And if they want to book a session, they certainly can. There's opportunities for them to do there do that. But again, you know, all my videos and everything I do on LinkedIn, I just really am trying to give people tools to heal themselves. I really believe that uh, we can make shift happen in our lives. I'm not a psychoanalyst at all. I don't believe in uh, getting rooted uh, in the past. I'm all about what can we do today? And I try to immediately put someone uh, at that crossroads of that Robert Frost poem and try to help them identify immediately uh, the pathway forward. Um, and uh, I really enjoyed this conversation, Errol. You are the man. And I hope people reach out to you because Errol is always inspiring people. And if you ever are like need uh, some wake up call, uh, you know, or you wanna see what I think it means to be passionate and enthusiastic and exuberant about life, they, they should just follow you because uh, you always bring your A-game. You're super professional. Uh, it was nice to see you the other day, actually, with the T-shirt on. I was shocked. I thought I was going to yeah. fall over because you're the most – you're the well, the best-dressed guy on LinkedIn, buddy. <laughs>
0: well, I, I appreciate that. Appreciate that. Yeah, it is good to kind of go with the T-shirt every once in a while. Um, yeah, 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 for sure. Well, very good. Yeah, no, I've been, you know – dressing in suits and basically tie and you know shirt forever so it's actually to be honest like i feel most comfortable like dressed up but um me me
1: too me too it is uh, good to relax yeah i gotta i gotta tie in right now so listen buddy you are the you're the man thank you so much
0: no thank you thank you definitely appreciate it and uh we'll include you know ways to get in contact with you and more of your your bio and everything here in the uh the show notes and um, and yeah, we'll continue. Maybe we'll we'll have another podcast in the future, or you know. But we'll definitely connect. And uh, yeah, have have a great day.
1: You too, Errol. Be well.
0: All righty.